Yeah, they had us the first half, I'm not gonna lie. They had us, we weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts, it took an attitude, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. And that's what our coach told us, he said, it's the media. They got something to say. Hello, welcome to another episode of season two of the Off Court Podcast. We are recording this episode uh, two days after the Toronto Raptors uh, lost in their first game after trade deadline, but the Portland Trailblazers won. There is now a super team in the mix and as Toronto fans yeah. and Blazers fans. The Gary Trent era, Gary Trent Jr. era has begun in Toronto and um, it depressingly, actually, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it seems like Gary is uh, picking up right where his father left off uh, oh, when he was no. traded to Toronto. Uh, I, I don't know if you were aware of this, uh, Tony, um, but uh, Gary Trent Jr. was just traded to us in Toronto. There's like mm-hmm. this weird like Da Vinci Code style fucking uh, uh happenstance where his father gary trent senior was traded from the trailblazers like something like 20 years ago to toronto at the exact same point of each of their careers so 41 games into the season into the season three seasons in averaging 10 points at the same time oh wow it was he had no choice it was meant to be it was meant to be Um, wow and so we're a podcast where a or a muslim and a jew do world peace by talking about uh how bad sports are but this time we needed we needed someone from um you know the inland empire someone who knew the lay of the land on our topic this week perfectly and that voice you hear that beautiful voice you hear is Tony from the Minion Death Cult podcast or our good friends the fantastic podcast that you should all listen to right after listening to this <laughs> What's up stoked stoked to represent the Cali vibes to bring the real Cali the real Cali vision, you know, a, uh, uh, a Jew, a Muslim, and a Cali boy. We got <laughs> a lot of representation here. My only, I'm going to tell you, my, my moment I realized I was in California the first time I went was when I bought weed at a guy from a guy at a basketball court. And it was like 15 bucks, and he gave me two pre-rolls, a gram, and a copy of his mixtape. And only referred, Hell yeah. <laughs> and only referred to it as trees. Which I didn't think was something people used because it's not at all ever used on the East Coast. But no, uh, people actually do refer to marijuana as trees. Unironically, I they have to be very chill. Like the chill, the chill meter on those people has to be California levels for them to use slang like that. So I'm not, I'm not shocked to hear that. Back when I used to sell a lot of weed, one of the requirements was you had to own one of those LRG shirts that said push trees. <laughs> you had to own one of those. It was like it was like your license. You didn't have to wear it. I just kept it in my drawer. But if I had to pull it out, it was ready. <laughs> That's what you wear at the medal ceremony. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. It's culture. It's your dress blues. <laughs> so this week we are taking a dive into Mamba mentality, into Kobe Bryant the weird success posting world and like insanely bizarre uh, Protestantism. Again, it's, it's a Muslim, a Jew and a Cali boy uh, ripping apart the issues inherent with having a good work ethic, you know? Uh, yeah. The insane Protestantism and like cultural impact of Kobe Bryant uh, and his, what he's left with the world. I think we're in a interesting spot to talk about this because, you know, we're a little bit removed from Kobe's, 
tragic death. There's been a lot of literature about Kobe, about his legacy and everything. And we're not going to shit really on Kobe, I think, too much on this episode. We're also not going to talk too much about his background as a player, some of the great things he's done, some of the bad things. We, we Like Abdul said, we're going to sort of focus on like the culture of Mamba mentality and what it has inspired in people because it's it's very much ubiquitous right now with like the online success posting story world. It's also ubiquitous with some like business motherfuckers and like stocks dudes and shit like that. And I think it comes the background to it, which we can get into, uh, explains it fairly interestingly. Um, but yeah, should we talk a bit about Cali first? Like is it so seemingly every other Lakers fan has to have like an alt with Mamba mentality in the name and the snake. And they also have to reply to every post about the Clippers explaining how Kobe's legacy, like voids the Clippers null from existing. Is that something you also have to partake in Tony, just to be a legal California citizen? Does that, is that the only way Gavin Newsom will give you the vaccine actually is my question. to you. I don't have to participate in it, but I do have to respect it. Um, cause the thing about it is, is either the default is, is Kobe fan, right? The Clippers fan is the exception. Mm-hmm. Like that's the exception to the rule. So you're the one making the statement. If you're a Clippers fan, you're the one who decides you like, don't really care for yourself that much. <laughs> yeah, you and that's yourself. what you want to do with your life, you know? <laughs> uh, and and, that, that, and that's fine and good. Um, I'm glad the Clippers exist because, you know, back in the day when like, I remember when Vince Carter came to town, I went to go to the Clippers game. Because it was cheaper, and we knew he was going to stun on him, and and he did. Um, and so the Clippers are important, but we just respect it. Um, you don't have to do the alt if you just get the tattoo. So anything like that works. Get his numbers on you, something like that. You can do it, and you don't have to get the alt. But the thing is, you will get the alt anyway. So is your, is your twenty fourth birthday in California like a bar mitzvah? Like is it is it is it the equivalent? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your your Kobe year is kind of a big deal because the thing about the Kobe year is it's following the Jordan year, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. So it's like it's like no pressure, but it's like, hey, you've managed to be the greatest. Now you got to go ahead and instill the Mamba mentality. Oh my god, I respect it. I mean, I made the mistake once on Twitter of saying, um, uh, Pau Gasol had more win shares than Kobe in the playoffs. And I had no less than five people immediately. I don't know. Like, it's like they have a fucking trigger on the wet on notifications for when someone tweets Kobe slander. But I had five people who did not follow each other (laughs) calling me the R word all at once. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which, like, yeah, I think it's 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 interesting. Like, there's a couple of things I think you sort of have to lay out about Kobe when you start, and I don't think these things are in, are in contradiction with each other. I think they're in tension with each other. No, I, th- one, I think it's an extension of it. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Oh, before. no, it's okay. One, he was a great basketball player. I think that's undeniable. You know, his record speaks yeah. for itself. Maybe maybe he was bailed out by Shaq and Powell in the playoffs, uh, but, you know, let's not get into that. But, like, no, yeah, no. he was a great basketball player. One of the greatest to ever play the game. Two, probably a rapist. <laughs> Which uh, we we will get into that quickly in the block in the Black Mamba nickname background and the unfortunate oh, yes. history of it. <laughs> um, and three, he also had a huge impact on the city of Los Angeles and the state of California in terms of what he he brought there, what he left them with for both good and bad. And you know, for a long time, it was he was sort of a religion there for reasons I'm sure we will get into. But these are three things you just have to lay out. Um, I would probably put 
keeping in the back of your head, he was probably a rapist first and everything else second. But yeah, like that's sort of, that's the Kobe tri- trifecta. You sort of have to understand, I think, Kobe in. I can't wait to see the stats for this episode, by the way. And they're all in set in Southern California. And it's going to be our highest played episode and probably the one with the most reply guys in our mentions if they actually go through and listen to the episode quick background on kobe for all the non-basketball fans who listen to this podcast throughout his 20-year nba career bryant's basketball career saw him earning 18 all-star selections five nba championships all of which were carried by Pau gasol and Shaq, as abdul mentioned uh no i'm joking uh two nba finals mvp awards two olympic gold medals off the court he was a published author philanthropist partner Oscar of the winner Oscar winner, partner of a venture capital forum, head of his own media studio, and a dedicated father to four girls. So uh, though Bryant was born with God-given raw talent, uh, his fellow athletes would add that his immense mental fortitude was truly what made him one of the greatest. Bryant had one of the most determined and electric mindsets, not just for a basketball player, but also for any human uh, living on earth. That last sentence, by the way, is from his Wikipedia. So uh, Wikipedia editors have decided that that's uh, not a biased statement at all. One more time. Can can you run that one by me one more time? What's the Brian has one of the had one of the most determined and electric mindsets, not just for a basketball player, but also yeah. for a human just living in general. On period. Yeah, just in general, just everybody. And wow. then Brian's mindset can be summed up in his own words: the Mamba mentality, a term he coined based on his nickname. Uh, do you guys want to hear the Urban Dictionary definition of Mamba mentality? Yes. Do you want to read it off the internet or off my chest? <laughs> I just lift that uh, that flowing uh, California uh, beach shirt for us to attempt to reach above and beyond expectations, no matter the circumstances. Kobe Bryant being the embodiment of Mamba mentality, whether it be a playoff run or a training session, Kobe always put an infinite amount of effort. That's Mamba mentality. Achilles torn. Kobe still went up to take his free throws. That's Mamba mentality. That's uh, also directly from Urban Dictionary, which I assume has as much editors working on it as Wikipedia. Yeah, that's that's. They should put it in the encyclopedia probably as well, I'm realizing. Yeah, so Tony, you you grew up in and around, uh, you know, the Kobe legend. You grew up very Mm -hmm. close to it, right? Like, I'll say my own history. The first time I I really fell in love with basketball was actually watching uh, Kobe in the finals. Like, I was a kid and, like, watching it was electric. It was probably the thing that got me into basketball, but I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a Raptors fan because, you know... You gotta rep your hometown. I don't get people who are fans of places of teams from places they're not from. But like, yeah, like you know, that was that was a even for like a six seven year old, that was like a stunning performance. You could tell like two guys on the court were just clearly better than everyone else playing. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, that's that's sort of it. You like grow up around a lot of brown people who are like Kobe all the time or Mamba mentality. But it's not the same as as I'm sure what you've experienced. Kobe was a huge influence on me. I, you know, I don't follow basketball like I used to, um, but growing up, I was a huge basketball fan. Um, the thing that Kobe did for me kind of showed me what you're talking about with like the being a fan of your home team, which I, I very much am with all my sports. Um, but that's when I learned that my dad was actually a fair weather fan and a bandwagoner and kind of dictated a lot of maybe how I feel about him today. Uh, but because he was a Jordan fan. Okay. He was a Chicago Bulls fan. You know, like that was the thing. He He's this guy. He's that basic. Kobe came around and then all of a sudden we're Lakers fans. 
But I was young enough to where I could commit to that. And I was able to watch the whole run, watch everything. And, and um, he was a huge influence. And because I live in the Inland Empire, which lives in the shadows of L.A., but it's bullshit because anything that's good in L.A. probably comes from or is actually happening better in the IE, personal, personal mm-hmm. opinion. Like, for instance, uh, you know, Kobe plays a lot of uh, p- played a lot of like um, just pickup games like in and throughout the Inland Empire all the time. There's like legend. Everyone everyone's been on the court that's been cleared out so Kobe can play a pickup game um, at every YMCA throughout the IE. Uh, it's really interesting. We all have that story. Um, so he's like this legend. He's just a he's just a, 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 a he's huge. The day he died was like palatable throughout everywhere like everywhere you went it was just like sad and it, it was it, i i think it was really dense here in southern california and then i.e um in the la area it was yeah he's a he's a being he's larger than life did they shut down the courts that day did people just not go play like pickup games and stuff like <laughs> probably something like that you know or like they went to the court but they just talked you know yes i love it i i, I would have been i would have been too sad to like to skate to, to to play basketball like i would have been too sad for that i would have been like i'm not gonna you know not gonna happen kobe did what tupac couldn't do for california you know just bring everybody together to talk across the sorry that's terrible yeah <laughs> no no it's, it's it's true though it's it's funny like i'm watching i watched last chance you basketball on netflix which by the way is fantastic i mm-hmm. uh, never watched last chance you but when they did basketball season i watched it and like part of the season the football is season's like, great too by the way is it okay i haven't watched I the basketball watch one yet but yeah this coach is like insane he's like making his guys work every day come into practice because like this is their last chance to like get into d1 college or whatever which by the way is fucking sick like you watch this and you're just like how is how are these like 15 kids their entire lives are riding on playing junior college uh basketball in la uh, in order to like make anything of themselves with or without basketball, right? Professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one day coach cancels practice is Kobe day. You know, when, when everyone finds out Kobe has passed away and stuff like that, and they're like falling and you don't see these kids cry until that moment. Like almost all of them are crying. Like I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely understand it. It's just like, yeah, it, and the way they show LA at that time too, which you know you experienced is, it's so strange, uh, but also understandable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. I'm sure there's still jerseys in, like, every mom-and-pop pizzeria in San Bernardino. Like, a 20... Like, a Kobe oh, jersey yeah. up on the up on the wall in memoriam for him and Gigi, right? You you want to see... You know, my one of my favorite... um One of my favorite memoriams to him... And uh, this is, like, something... Like, my, my, my brother is... He's a rapper. He's really great. Um, goes by Shoutfist. If you go on... If you go on SoundCloud or anywhere like that... Look up R.I.P. Kobe. There are millions of songs. I bet. And oh it's it's just, it's this thing like you had to do it. Like you had to make your R.I.P. Kobe song for the culture. That's incredible. Sort of like beyond that, I guess like thinking about like in your opinion, Tony, like what about Kobe specifically more than say, you know, Shaq or like even like Showtime Lakers? Like like this is a this is the fucking storied franchise of the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakers, mm-hmm. Celtics—they're uh, like undisputedly the two greatest franchises in the sport. What about Kobe specifically? Do you think made like made people in in California go ape in ways that like other stars couldn't? I think one of the biggest things was his longevity. 
I mean, he 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 didn't just play for a long time, but he played at an elite level for a long time. I mean, some of his like highest scoring games were in his like last like five seasons. Yeah, on the That's fucking Raptors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I, I shouldn't have brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it up. But like that's (laughs) that's that's nuts. I think that's a lot of it. So I think one of the biggest things, like you talked about earlier, um, with with uh, the with the rape that falls somewhere between Aziz Ansari and R. Kelly, and like it's that like you have to at least take that that with it. That happened early in his career. So a lot of the people who were in their like mid mid early late twenties. They didn't even know that what they were kids. They didn't know that. They just got to watch him growing up still. And and um all they saw were like especially around here, like, you know, him cutting checks to local community courts, him, you know, showing up at graduations for uh, you know, for local high schools, him being that guy, uh, and being like a a good guy. He he like put he did a really good job at that. So that's all they knew about him. He was larger life where Shaq kind of felt like a character. Um, and also he left, Kobe never left. He never left. That was kind of a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, um, and I think that's really what it is, is, is longevity and the, 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 the high level at which he performed the entire time. Um, I will say the Raptors, when they, when they had 81 points on the board, uh, the night Kobe died, the points were lit up in, in Lakers colors, which I thought was cute. Uh, <laughs> that was, that the- is, <laughs> that's so sweet. Uh, even though he, the one thing this franchise was known for before it won a championship yeah. was uh, having superstars who left and being the team that that Kobe had like a Wilt Chamberlain game against them. And I feel bad for Mike for Mike James, by the way. That that yeah. game ended Mike James' career. It really he did. Was supposed to guard Kobe and he couldn't do it. You know, funny enough, too. The other thing that we were famous for before we were. Um, we before we won a championship was the Jeremy Lin game. And the Jeremy Lin game is also weirdly connected to Kobe, right? Because it was around the time like Kobe disrespected Lin, right? By saying he doesn't know who he is or whatever. And supposedly that maybe gave him a bit of inspiration to go ham on us. So yeah, the Raptors uh, stay losing in our history. And uh, now we're back to right, right where we started. It's great. I love the well, season. That, that narrative aged pretty great, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's we're we're regressing to the mean right now. We are uh, we are doing a, a one of the greatest stealth tanks in NBA history. I will say. Yeah, not getting a center and but but yeah, I mean on that note, basically, you know the Kobe name, Black Mamba, and and interesting where you sort of put it on the timeline of the epoch, Tony, because like you know everybody had just wished, witnessed Kobe win those three championships. A lot of kids form their basketball love based on this, and then Kobe's uh, rape case comes up, which we won't talk about too much. But um, around that time, he comes up with his name. Just to go into a bit of background, um, late NBA legend Kobe Bryant gave himself the nickname Black Mamba in 2003. Kobe took the name from Kill Bill, where an, an assassin uses a Black Mamba snake to kill another character. Quote, I looked it up online after watching the movie and went, that's me, he, he said. Uh, Bryant had said that he created the Black Mamba alter ego to separate his personal and professional lives. Bryant also remarked on the nature of the snake's length, bite, strike, and temperament, and was captivated by the way snakes shed their their skin, a reference to growing out of his old self and shedding the uh, problems of the past. So very overt there from Kobe about, you know, sort of uh, Mm -hmm. 
twisting uh, a rape case a little bit into a tale of personal growth. And like, while I'm not saying that everybody who's like success posting mama mentality online is a rape for uh, a rape apologist, there is this sort of connection between like, you know, being basically an egomaniac and super fucking narcissist to uh, better yourself a bit, whether or not it's on the you know, while you're stomping on other people a little bit. Um, what do you guys think about that? Am I, am I editorializing it a bit too much to be negative or am I fair here? I think the biggest thing to, one of the things to remember about that, that case and the reason why I don't think he gets punished, like, you know, as, as like people usually would is the outcome is the, although it was blatant, although it was pretty obvious and seemed pretty grimy, um, you know, she did come out and say like, never mind. And he kind of sort of admitted to it, right? And yeah, apologized. and that's all you can. I mean, that's that's the only option. That's all you can do there. I mean, you know, that, that's and so so like that. I think that's a lot of it. And that is a thing, you know, that would feel. Um, it's also incredibly corny, and I think that's one thing that he kind of got away with. That's that is so corny. Um, and also like snakes have never been a positive thing ever. I mean, people literally got, we're getting, you know, yelled out for using the emoji last year. So it's like, it's never, it's the whole thing. Only it's that thing. Only Kobe can do it, man. Only Kobe can get away with it. I never, I never really like if anyone else had used it, it would, it would seem like, and it is like a sinister nickname in the context of where it came from, but like the like weird sexual, like, you know, white fear undertones of a nickname like the black mamba for some reason like just never sort of stuck to kobe the way they would have stuck to everyone else you know what i mean like even though it came out of like this like horrific thing that happened and stuff like that uh, it's also worth mentioning by the way part of the reason that case was dropped was because the victim was outed by kobe's lawyers which like set a precedent for basically every me too case going forward which is really fucked up mm-hmm yeah, that is that is super fucked up. And I mean, I have another quote here for myself. He he wasn't shy about really emphasizing the reason for the name had to do with off the court. I quote, I went from a person who was at the top of his game, had everything coming to a year later, having absolutely no idea where my life was going or even if I'm going to be a part of my life as I know it. Meaning, is he going to keep playing NBA? I had to separate myself. I felt like there was so many things coming at me at once. It was just becoming very, very confusing. I had to organize my mindset. So I created the black mamba which i mean like to me just reads a little bit as like i had to put my blinders on to my case and move on to uh a bunch of underwhelming seasons in the nba but an eventual couple more championships so what am i how am i to shit on this in some way underwhelming by whose standards only kobe's only kobe's Kobe's standards yeah yeah like that's that's one of the, the most interesting things about kobe i'm sure you got this from reading the book is that like he actualized success posting in a way that no one like you know when you see people who success post you immediately know that there's nothing good happening in their lives yes. when you see someone posting inspirational quotes on facebook or twitter you know that their life is in ruins uh that they're like startup uh bitcoin you know mining business is going under or they can't become a personal <laughs> trainer like they want or a life coach or whatever, but Kobe actualized success posting. I think that's what makes him like such a magnet for these types of personalities, right? Uh, on an article about the book, Ramona Shelburne wrote that Kobe 
in preparation for the book was reaching out to athletes across all sports to get their take on Mamba mentality and reaching to multiple authors, including J.K. Rowling, which supposedly he had (laughs) multiple meetings with in preparation of writing of the book to basically achieve the best storytelling, which is very funny to me because I just read the book and it's all just like success posting and quotes there's no narrative to Mm -hmm. it it's just like kobe and also kobe just talking shit about all the players that he's owned before (laughs) so i just wonder what jk rowling told him just a bunch of transphobic shit i'm assuming yeah (laughs) that's that's funny as hell actually i I would have loved to be a fly on the wall at that meeting (laughs) what house do you think kobe was in oh he's a slytherin Slytherin. it's not even a question i mean i mean sure Sure. Okay, you want to actually uh, get into to, it? He has to be. He actually has to be. There's no other option. There's, yeah. yeah. It's not it's even just house. about the logo. It's not only just that it's the snake house, though. It is like, you know, it's about taking what's yours and asserting dominance. Like, Hufflepuff is the opposite of Kobe, right? Gryffindor uh-huh. is like, I guess like Kobe, a lot of people would think, a lot of the guys who success post would think that Kobe is Gryffindor, but like... It just doesn't make sense to me. There's too much empathy within the Gryffindor. Kobe would just destroy Quidditch. And I guess Kobe probably speaks that language as well, right? Since he's versed in so many languages. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Kobe would be the all-time Quidditch champion. You know what I mean? Like, he would have dominated in every league. You know, all that. I believe it. You know, I'd actually, I can see the case for, uh, and Gryffindors are also the smuggest pieces of shit on the planet, right? Absolutely. Legacy legacy, uh, house, basically. Before we uh, get into maybe the book and like some Twitter stuff, guys, I do have, um, since like Mamba mentality is a mentality, I do have an article that was written in Psychology Today on the day that Kobe died, which goes into how Mamba mentality can be applied to psychology and have like realistic effects. Can I, I'll I'll read a little bit of that to you guys? Real quick, is it, was it written in response to his death or... Or came out the same day coincidentally? Uh, it was in response to his death. Okay. And it was like a, and Psychology Today decided to get a longtime Lakers fan who is a psychologist to write his Kobe tribute, basically. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, it, really funny. Yeah, it's conceptually hilarious to think of a guy and like, you know, like scrubs or something like writing away like the CIA meme guy about fucking... Uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, In sports, there are frequent references to, quote, killer instinct. Kobe said, quote, I always aim to kill the opposition. When he walked onto the court, it was serious business with no let up. He and LeBron James, another NBA great, played in the Olympics together. Quote, at the Olympics, the main thing LeBron and I discussed was what constitutes a killer mentality. He watched I approached every single practice, and I constantly challenged him and the rest of the guys. I remember there was one half when we were messing around. I came into the locker room at halftime and asked the guys in a less PG manner, what in the hell they were doing. In the second half, LeBron responded in a big way. He came out with a truly dominant mindset, and I've seen him lead the way ever since. Back to the article. Some people may shy away from this reference of killer mentality and wanting to dominate, but this is the approach approach that literally creates change in your brain. Our brains, just like our behaviors, fall into patterns and ruts. We keep repeating bad habits and stay stuck. It's only when we mobilize to new levels that we wake up the brain and say, hey, I'm not going to settle for the same old way. 
Okay, this is related to my seventh pillar of resilience, presence. <laughs> it's, it's, important, it's important to awaken the moment if you want to grow and be a peak performer. Otherwise, you'll keep acting in the same old pattern, like a train locked onto its tracks. When you mobilize your passion and awaken to your moment, your brain responds by creating new nerve path, pathways. As my old colleague, Debbie, uh, sorry, Dio Heb said, neurons that fire together wire together. This uh, is what? the corniest yeah, yeah, psychologist shit I've ever fucking heard. Neurons that fire together wire together. Like, could you imagine saying this in a classroom to like a bunch of baby psychologists? Is that science? Is that? Is that <laughs> are, are you supposed to be like a scientist here? Are you supposed to be real here? I like that he had to sell his self help book too in the middle. Like that he, I assume he has seven pillars that he's written multiple yeah. books about. I, I also like to think of it. I think the the truth of the matter was is. Kobe and LeBron are, were very, very rich. I think Kobe was literally like, hey, LeBron, have you killed someone yet? <laughs> have you done it? Have you watched the life leave the eyes yet? <laughs> you know, LeBron's never even – like, he's had, like, a winning instinct, but Kobe played people to murder them, right? And I think Jordan did, too. Like, there's that, that quote about Muggsy Bogues where – um. <laughs> Jordan called him a oh, slur yeah. on the court for yeah. small people, and Muggsy retired <laughs> at the end of that season because he couldn't. It just stuck with him forever or whatever. Like, this is what they fed on, right? It wasn't just winning, it was like literally constricting someone till they died. Yeah, like a snake, like, yeah. a, like a boa yeah. constrictor. Um, or just like, like Taylor Swift, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just to end this article, I'm skipping here a bit. Um, I just have to read the ending because uh, the psychologist references uh, Joseph Campbell. Um, it's, it's, it's helpful to recall Joseph Campbell and his work on the hero's journey in which the hero goes out into a supernatural world, encounters various forces that he or she conquers and in the process grows and transforms themselves, returning to share this transformation with others. Uh, every one of us, if we are conscious, recognize that in our lives, we live out our own hero's journey. We strive to overcome childhood wounds. We strive to overcome obstacles and adversity. And ultimately we strive to transform ourselves and create meanings out of our lives we can all take the challenge of the journey and strive to be a hero the lessons from the black mamba can support us in the process of our own hero's journey may the mamba be with you um so yeah basically you know narcissism is okay in some in some form or another as long as you better yourself in some way dudes like dudes are such losers <laughs> this is all dudes this is all this is all dudes mama yes. mentality is strictly for the dudes they they think that they can apply this mentality and you know you know win the day and work work hard play harder but they're not at all factoring who the person that is kobe bryant is and what um access he he's always had to become this person right everything about kobe's life is like peak to become this person so like not only are you going to be this incredible athlete we're going to go ahead and educate you um you're going to be really well educated yeah. uh you know we're gonna we're gonna make you a little more worldly blah 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 and you're also gonna take a helicopter to your games every day he's like you he know what basically like, lived it, like richie rich it was like black richie rich he, he grew you up know? in italy you know what i mean like yeah. exactly yeah there yeah no matter no matter what you do, you're never going to be able to apply the same mentality that Kobe did and get any results because you don't have what he has F from the jump, from growing up. I, and I mean, that is, you know, just to go to his influence and to be a bit positive, like 
people were influenced by Kobe in the NBA who never even interacted with him, never really had to play against him, never actually got to practice with him or go to the Mamba um, Academy. Like people just watched him the way he laced up his shoes and like would shoot free throws near the end of the career and experience some kind of influence from Kobe. Like you didn't even actually have to have him. Yeah. Like you said, uh, be in the locker room at the Olympics asking you about if you've ever murdered somebody with your own hands. (laughs) This is also so scary. In the context of like, Kobe is again very likely a rapist. You know what I mean? Like, it's like this is the worst advice for a psychologist to give because it's like, a you, like you mentioned, like a encouraging this culture of narcissism, but also being like other people don't exist. Like other yes. people exist to be dominated by you. Uh, on every level of your existence you it's know not what I that mean? far from like that richard or that strauss book uh what's called the game which i was given to by uh but was given to me when i was in college in first year and was still a virgin and uh you know a friend told me that the game will really change my life like the, the, a lot of Did the same language uh no i okay. read it and i just <laughs> I, it, it actually like strangely pulled me away from 4chan which i was still on as a 20 19 year old so thank you uh to chris hey, martino who s- speaking was on. of the game i wanted to tell you you look like shit today <laughs> you, look, you look real bad listen i haven't had a haircut since like fucking september um so <laughs> i'm gonna call anti-semitism on that uh on that no statement. i'm just trying to get in your pants by nagging oh, you right yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I still think not to get off too far topic, but like, I don't know if you guys remember this, Abdul, actually, I guess you would know this more because it's a Canadian story. But two years ago, the Eaton Center, which is like the biggest mall in Toronto, was like infiltrated by pickup artists. And there was like supposedly 20 pickup artists. The mall is this long hallway of multiple floors. And supposedly this one day, two years ago, women were reporting about how like basically like there was like a row throughout the mall of like guys with fedoras and shit asking Fuzzy them hats. like the same line so, over and over again so what they did actually i can i can elaborate on this because i remember this even more <laughs> it wasn't just that it was infiltrated it's that pickup artists were hosting training sessions where they would guide <laughs> 10 to 15 wannabe pickup artists through the mall and like point out a woman be like okay go neg her you know what i mean while everyone else That's- watched awful <laughs> and then they would come back and he'd criticize their method and give him tips and then get them to do it again which is why they would be getting the same pickup line over and over and over again because these guys were just like like a like a, a tour right like a mm. like a tour guide leading a group of tourists through a mall these pickup artists were pay, getting people to pay them like a thousand bucks or whatever a session to go through the mall and do this as a group activity as a field trip when I say when I say we need to bring back bullying, I'm talking about them. I'm just talking about them. I think this is a good place to take our break um, and then uh, get into some excerpts from uh, Mama Mentality. What do you guys think? That sounds great. Are you into video games or ever wondered why something like video games is even important to be discussed, to be listened to? If so, check out Buffs and Nerfs, another podcast from the Mind Refinery. Hosts Andrew and Sam will talk about the latest from the gaming world and dive deep into the culture of games. From the game mechanics of Destiny 2, which... God, stop Bungie making me spend money and play your fucking video game. I got to do research for this podcast. Uh, to the future of cloud gaming, they explore the relevance of gaming through personal experience and their impact on society. That was a great episode, too. I highly recommend listening to this podcast. 
All right, we are back. We are back. I hope you enjoyed that ad break. And Aton, unfortunately, uh, had to read the Mamba Mentality book. Have you felt your life changed, by the way, since reading it? You know what? It was such a quick read, like for a 200-page book, because it's like 20 like sized font throughout it, and like half of it is just pictures of Kobe. Um, so it was a very, it felt like I was reading like a children's book. Um, did my life change? Not really because like, as I was every inspirational quote that Kobe brings and a lot of this book is basically, it's divided into just two chapters and within the chapters, there's these little sub chapters, which is like, it's written like the Da Vinci code, this book. So it's like a massive quote of some kind. And then Kobe sort of explaining what he means by it. And in every explanation, Kobe just ends up kind of being like vindictive or kind of mean against people. So I never really got anything from it. Like he'd say something super inspirational. I'd be like, wow, that's, I never really thought about it that way, except for the way you apply to Kobe. Now that I'm reading further is to be an asshole to people. So, you know, it's funny that the book even sort of like, so Phil Jackson opens the book, right? And even within testimonies from other people, we are shown like Kobe's fervor and narcissism, like the way he would just go about his life. Uh, so um, in the introduction, Phil Jackson talks about how he got a call from a concerned Jerry West telling him how young Kobe asked Jerry about how he and Elgin Baylor were able to score 30 points, uh, 30 points each on the same team in the sixties, specifically because he was worried that he wasn't going to, going to be able to score enough points to become the greatest player of all time. So that was his concern uh, as a rookie. I think that speaks Quite a bit to Kobe. That opens the book. So I immediately uh, knew um, what I was getting into. So chapter one is called The Process. Uh, The bolded lines in this book are hysterical, as I was saying. Like, they separate the paragraphs between his process for preparing for games and getting into mama mentality. So it's like a huge bolded line, quote, and then an explanation. So uh, uh, quote. The first quote without any explanation is, when I came to basketball, I had no fear. Followed by, quote, I did biblical workouts. Then he goes on to just talk about how he lifts weights, like totally normal weights, but he had like these inten- these consistent routines. So those were apparently uh, biblical. Um, quote, my midnight workouts have become a thing of legends because he supposedly had to sacrifice sleep to both intensely work out and to be able to see his family at the same time. So he was basically like the proto Mark Wahlberg, like uh, Jimmy Butler workout regiment. If you guys remember um- that. Well, I mean, no, it it makes sense because the thing he didn't consider is that when your wife is suing you for child support, you know what I mean? Like he didn't yeah. cut the he didn't cut the wife out of the equation. He didn't have enough of a mamba mentality to like eliminate the the one, number one distraction which was his wife. Very true. They they take up a lot of bandwidth those wives. <laughs> <laughs> and kids too. Exactly. You know, Michael Jordan knew knew well enough to say "fuck them kids." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan has some like children that he's kind of not showing love to too that they didn't really talk about in the Last Dance doc, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Doesn't he have like children from an ex wife that we don't really Does discuss? He? I don't. I don't know. All I know is that his kids manage Jordan stores, which is oh, extremely okay. funny. 
kind of like the Don Cherry uh, combination with his family and the podcast. Um, I like this one. Like, it won't seem funny at first, but quote, I didn't train only my body. I trained my mind too, which didn't just include reading and included building relationships with the greats, right? But then he goes on to list all the people who spoke at his Jersey retirement as proof of his success in building relationships. That's that's a, that's a flex. That's a definitive list of people who clearly you've built a relationship with. Yeah, I... I- I I buy that. Um, I wasn't always old is one of the quotes. As a kid, I didn't have to do all the stretching and warming up. I would go out and get my shots up, put it work, and then I'd actually have some time to myself. Sometimes I would even just chill and watch some TV. I like that he's like throwing that out there to blow our mind. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is, like, inconceivable that Kobe as a child was, like, you know, a snot-nosed kid and watching fucking whatever they show in Italy, I, uh, uh, his cartoons. I can't picture him watching TV. I'm trying to picture him, like, chilling with his feet up, you know, reclined, watching TV. I can't, I can't picture it. Do you think he's, like, a, a cineast? Do you think he, like, criticizes the lighting? Like, he definitely watched Kill Bill. You know what I mean? Like, do you think he's, yeah. like... He watches it and he's like, oh, Tarantino didn't work hard enough to do X, Y, and Z or whatever. Like, I sort of see Kobe as that kind of as that kind of person when it came to, like, watching TV. Mm-hmm. He's, like, unable to sit normally because he can only talk about how he would do it better. Better, yeah. Or maybe he called Riza after seeing Kill Bill and was like, you could do this better and inspired him to make... Uh to go on to be a director of terrible kung fu movies. Uh, This is about his uh, personal uh, trainer uh, or personal uh, masseuse. Judy Seto has been with me forever. So he talks about an obsessive physical trainer that he ended up having a bond with and working with with the rest of his career because he saw them utilize the mamba mentality as they were massaging his his legs. Um, He goes on to describe their work ethic. Uh, He ends the paragraph with, in my later years, her table would always be full and players would be waiting when i came into the room though i jokingly questioned when they what they were doing there and claimed my spot at her table by butting in the line quote sorry guys to recover from the injury that he played through in the 2000s playoffs he had to try something else to recover with the trainer um so what did he do he wants to blow our mind with this by the way he took up tap dancing quote that's right tap dancing after researching the matter it became apparent that tap dancing was going to be the best way to build up my ankle strength while simultaneously improving my foot speed and rhythm so i hired an instructor and started going to the studio i worked on it all that summer and benefited from for it from the rest of his career i can imagine kobe tap dancing is it i'm just checking what what year was kobe oh he also tap danced on jimmy kimmel apparently Uh, what year was this (laughs) okay this was in 20 18 uh okay. that he that he tap danced on kimmel i want to know if he took up tap dancing before or after he was fined one hundred thousand dollars for calling someone the f slur oh. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't I know that i'm not surprised i'm really surprised that was the fine yeah that's the max fine i think you can levy the i'm pretty sure the nbpa bargained down the max fine to 50 which good for them, by the way. Uh, that's a good union right there. Yeah, but yeah. yeah uh, in rights. 2011, on my birthday, actually, in in 2011, Kobe Bryant. That's what I always remember on my birthday is Kobe Bryant doing Mamba mentality to an entire to an entire marginalized <laughs> group. But like, yeah, he was fined. He was fined one hundred thousand dollars on on April 12, 2011, for calling someone the F slur. 
uh, towards a referee Benny Adams uh, during a game. Oh, that's him. why. Because I was thinking, I was, I was like, I feel like they call each other that all the time. Yeah, but it was to an official. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. Which I, well, actually, we'll get. There's a little section after this quote about the officials, which I thought was interesting. But uh, before we get into that, in the process chapter, he takes this weird dig at Luke Walton for no reason. I always said Luke Walton was destined to be a coach. Luke was a very <laughs> smart player. He also had certain coaching traits, uh, like a bad back, like Phil Jackson used to have, and a hippie lineage, like <laughs> Phil Jackson. I used to tell him that all the time. He didn't find it as funny as I did. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Luke, Luke Walton destined to be a coach is incredible because he's maybe the worst coach. Uh we were just mentioning the referees. Um this is great. So the chapter opens with this quote, reading is fundamental. Quote, I made a point of reading the referee's handbook. One of the rules I gleaned from is is that each referee had a designated slot where you were supposed to be on the floor. If the ball, for instance, is in place W, referees go to X, Y, and Z, each have an area on the court assigned to them. When they do that, it creates dead zones, areas on the floor where they can't see certain things. I learned where those zones were, and I took advantage of them. I would get away with holds, travels, all sorts of minor variations, simply because I took the time to understand the official limitations like you know what kind of slurs they like to be thrown at, thrown at them <laughs> uh, and yeah i'm sure the players do this but just the sequence of the writing from like reading is fundamental to like i read to cheat the game just kind of made me giggle yeah. that actually probably explains why it's such a big hit with finance bros a a because it's written at like a first grade level but b because it like condones like just like doing whatever you can to fuck over others as long as you get away with and you can break the law as long as no one sees you do it like it encourages it it's about the bottom line yeah it's not about sportsmanship it's not about like having a healthy relationship with like your job it's about like doing whatever it takes to fuck over others i also by the way don't know how anyone else can get anything from this because like i don't have a personal masseuse you know what i mean like i don't have access to these things like you were saying earlier right tony you, you you need you need the full package and they don't they don't see that <laughs> uh, like hiring a personal masseuse to really embody mamba mindset or something is really funny like i want to see i want to see the guy who takes us to like to who goes into debt to live mamba mentality because <laughs> I, I i i feel like they're the same people the same people who love mamba mentality would like laugh at the idea of like manifesting something when they're like really doing the same thing, they're like, "No, you just got to believe it. You got to show up to class hard." <laughs> it's like it's the you gotta secret. Trade. You got to trade in a biblical fashion. You got to let uh, uh, AMC stocks go to the moon in a biblical fashion. Um, it's funny what you say, Tony, because like to me, this just this book read like the secret, but for men, like it's the mm-hmm. secret means pickup artist culture, meet success bro stories. You get the mama mentality. Yeah, um, yeah. He ends this chapter with like a very secret ass paragraph too. quote the Mamba mentality. Initially, I thought the phrase Mamba mentality was just a catchy hashtag that I happened to throw on Twitter, something witty and memorable, but it took off from there and came to symbolize much more. The mindset isn't about seeking a result. It's more about the process of getting to that result. It's about the journey and the approach, and it's a way of life. I do think that it's important in all endeavors to have that mentality. So yeah, you know, like you're saying too, that process process is uh going on a being a hamster on a wheel just doing the same shit Mm -hmm. over and over and over again until it works like an insane human being 
I could see myself. I could see myself falling into this trap in high school, though. Like I could totally oh, yeah. see myself mm. like reading this and thinking it's going to change my life or something. Like I could totally see myself, uh, you know, going fucking balls deep into Mamba mentality and stuff like that. I, I remember having like a second wave of liking Kobe in like 2014, maybe before that, when uh he had an article in GQ. And they were interviewing him like in the helicopter from his house to the to the court and talking about all the things he does and like being pretty enamored with his focus, you know, being like, wow, this is what it takes. Now, at the same time, I was like operating a grow house and losing my mind and like committing (laughs) myself fully to like the grind. Uh And I did fall for that. (laughs) It was stupid. And and it did not work out. (laughs) So what like what? What about that spoke to you in regards to like building your your grow house, uh, your like Walter White empire? It, you know what I mean? It really like, was like I was like, man, I am fucking tired. I'm putting in twelve hour days every day. I haven't seen my friends in a while. Um, but I was like, you know what though? You're getting paid, and you can't take a helicopter to the grow house unless you focus. And that mm-hmm. like that was like my mentality. I was like. I got to focus and I got to give everything to this so that I can do all the other things I want to do. Like it, it is about commitment. Kobe doesn't want to Kobe doesn't want to work out at midnight. Kobe doesn't want to wake up at, at four o'clock in the morning to start his day, but you got to like, you know what I'm saying? And so, so I, I, I was kind of like convinced by it for a second, but um, uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I read that article like on the shitter and I think it, you know, <laughs> that's about the impact it actually had in my life. So, the place Did where you, most people read this book. Yeah, like most mm-hmm. of the people I knew growing up who embodied like Mamba mentality or whatever, right? Or stuff like that were like almost exclusively brown dudes like me who went to accounting school instead of art school. Like that's what they would apply when their like tests were coming up and shit like that. It wasn't even people who were going into like, you know, the big three prof- immigrant professions, you know, lawyer, doctor, engineer, or whatever. It was specifically people who are tracking a career in like middle management were the people who are most obsessed with Mamba mentality. Like the, the waste, the waste men I see who are like, you know, struggling in every aspect of their life to go into Mamba mentality uh, are something I've only ever seen online and not in person or my drug dealers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most Mamba mentality people have a BMW, but no furniture. And the BMW, too, is always, like, a huge tell of uh, someone's ideas of, like, success because it is the, uh, like, I don't say this to denigrate poor people, it is the poor man's rich car. Like, it is the car you buy when you don't have enough money to buy a Porsche. But yeah, uh, just to end off maybe the book, we're on chapter two, which is the only other chapter in this book, uh, Craft. <laughs> uh, it's not two parts. It's two chapters. It's two chapters. Um, he begins- Does it say chapter? Is that why? Yes. Chapter what two, a dumb craft. It, part one, part two would have been so much smarter. Like, no. just, That's not mama mentality, though. It's not mama mentality. No, it's not no. direct enough. Uh, but this one's called Craft. He begins the chapter with in-depth, discuss- in-depth discussions of his techniques. Um, in his footwork paragraph, he notes, quote, Later in my career, players asked me to share the how-tos of some of my footwork with them. LeBron, Durant, Westbrook. They really wanted to know the intricacies of it. The timing of their enthusiasm was perfect for me. I was on the last stretch of my career, and we weren't competing for championships, so I was happy to share with them what I knew. Like, I like how he's kind of a 
every now and then he would be this lovable competitive prick in the book, which I really mm-hmm. do appreciate. I think with all the shit we've given Kobe, like the way he twists, like being like a decent guy to people still being about himself is almost impressive to me. Quote, God gave us two hands. As a kid, I'm talking six years old. It bothered me when something felt like a weakness. Um, So I worked really hard on my left hand at that age. Specifically, I would brush my teeth with my left hand. I would write my name with my name with my left hand. Quote, I never (laughs) shied away from contact. Uh, I only included this because he goes on to shit on Reggie Miller. I definitely knew I was stronger than Reggie Miller. I don't know if it was a mental thing, but it was more of a bully. I was more of a bully than him. Like, like I don't know. I, I feel like bad for like uh, Reggie Miller and even like I feel like Richard Jefferson. They're both very soft spoken. Yeah. And I feel like their baldness for some reason, plus their voice makes them targets to other players. For absolutely no reason, but they're both like decent players. One of the next points I have is him talking about Kevin Garnett, which like I guess like there's not really much about Kevin Garnett's play style that that he could say, which is why I included this paragraph because it made me laugh what he does decide to bring up. Quote, KG was a wizard on defense. Not too much of this, but I don't think people give Kevin Garnett enough credit. He captained every defense he was a part of. He had a really big voice. Um, his versatility at his size was also startling and ultimately game changing. He could dribble pass and shoot i think honestly we were all very fortunate that minnesota didn't surround him with an abundance of talent during his prime if they did it would have been a real challenge for us and san antonio to get past them so just shitting on the wolves uh, franchise which he should he basically you know about he ends the chapter i should say before i should have said this before bringing up kevin garnett is he ends the chapter with all of his takes about different players which for the most part is pretty respectful uh he gets into alan iverson uh quote alan iverson was small but he was also incredible my philosophy was to use my height advantage and shoot over the top of him i don't need to try anything i don't need to go anywhere i don't need to try and back him down i'll just shoot over him because i can get a clean look when i covered great players they often tried covering me that meant when we had the ball i would look for offensive rebounds but with alan as soon as we put a shot up i would look for him and be like where is he where is he because we never matched up due to my size advantage so you know he doesn't even give alan iverson his flowers here he just like shits on his size for like a whole paragraph before we before we like sort of end off here i do want to mention kobe was fucking obsessed with uh, alan iverson yeah Uh, kobe was like so fucking hateful of alan iverson because alan iverson was was picked first and kobe was picked 12th like and honestly, in a one-on-one, I'd take AI over Kobe. Like literally any day. Iverson was embraced by Philly, right? Which is where Kobe is from, and Kobe was like hated in Philly throughout his career, right? So it really does play, and like it kind of shows where Kobe has holes in his Mamba mentality, in my opinion, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like AI, start to finish, consistently one of the he never won a championship. I don't care. He was consistently one of the greatest. Yeah players ever like without help i can't think Mm -hmm. of a you know kobe may have been overall more successful or whatever but i cannot think of a moment a kobe moment as iconic as ai stepping over Ty Lu in game one of the final that was the ultimate like little like fuck you and you're right his credentials too probably meant a lot right because like ai scrappy just got out of his like prison thing for something he did not do right like Mm -hmm. just like colored Mm -hmm. by racism his entire career AI was able to kind of operate as a superstar differently. Kobe kind of had to be like a good boy, like had to be like a, like a good guy in his superstardom and his presentation had to be kind of clean, you know, where AI was able to be like Kobe, Kobe never missed practice. Mm-hmm. 
Kobe would never miss practice. You know, and uh, as we all know, oh yeah, you know, AI AI might miss a practice. I might, and, like, I, yeah. This is where I'm putting was, in that was clip. Able, by the was way. able to do thing was able to do things and operate in a way that Kobe wasn't. AI also did not lift. I just want to point that he, he said he didn't care for lifting because it was too hard. He just wouldn't go lift yeah. in yeah. the gym. You know what I mean? Like he had, love that. What a fucking god. You know what I mean? Like um, it's hard to lift yeah. too when you're wearing like quadruple XL FUBU like shirts and whatever else. He's, <laughs> he's yeah, that. and that's sort of I think the thing that like gives us a good place to sort of leave off on. Unless you have anything else, uh, Aton. I mean, I I could go forever. Like he like every other quote that he goes through, like in his the basket stays stationary quote. The whole paragraph is him shitting on Shane Battier for no reason. Like, well, I'll read, I'll read that quickly and then I'll re- go to the last quote. But the basketball, the basket stays stationary. Quote, when someone like Shane Battier face guarded me, it didn't really impact my game. I believe that I could just shoot through it. The basket wasn't moving. So muscle memory just kicked into work. I didn't have to see the rim to make a basket. Shane, as a whole, was a solid defensive player. He was smart, too. Smart enough to understand that trash talking riled me up. Shane is a counter to that, would tell people that he actually couldn't guard me to attempt reverse psychology. By doing that, Shane thought he was going to take the bite out of my game, take the edge off, but I saw through his tactic, understood his premeditated, mod- premeditated modesty, and attacked him because of it. Safe to say I had a lot of fun playing against Shane. Shane Battier <laughs> just seemed like a nice guy who was like, I, know, I respect yeah. how good you are, man. Like, I, I'm trying my best. He probably, yeah, it's exactly. It, Exactly. He probably didn't have any like ill will doing that. And like Kobe just constructed this like villain in his mind to be able to play well. I like him. I like imagining being Shane Battier reading that and thinking to myself, I'm sure if that's what you want to. <laughs> okay. You're, you're kind of making me look a lot cooler than I am. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fucking uh, funny. That was the only kind of random one I had to bring up, but I guess sort of to jump off our ending here, this is the final paragraph from the book, which is pretty extraordinary. Quote, basketball took me everywhere. The game provided me with every opportunity that I ever imagined it would. Uh, Along the way, I learned an innumerable amount. I'm not just speaking about on court either. Without hoops, I would not understand how to create or write. I would not understand human nature, nor would I know how to lead. The game, in essence, taught me everything. It taught me the art of storytelling. Without that, I would have not won an Emmy. I would have not won an Oscar. I would not have creative dreams and visions to still unfold. Yeah, basketball took me everywhere. Now I'm taking the game everywhere scene. Um. So, yeah, I mean, like... Take the game I everywhere, man. Even Everything that we talked about in terms of how Mamba mentality permeates online through people makes 100% complete sense when you read this book. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the same way when you read the pickup artist book, you understand exactly what kind of fedora wearing assholes would be inspired by this. You can understand how business people and athletes alike take this in and like embody it in, you know, wrong ways. But it, it, it makes sense that this has... infiltrated our zeitgeist as like a permanent brain worm for the rest of our lives you know do you think it'll be Mm -hmm, permanent mm -hmm. i guess that's sort of my last question do you think this is going to be a permanent situation of like people like loving fucking mamba mentality till the day they die i'd start religions based on this just to let you go go in tony but that's my like where where, Mm -hmm. why hasn't there been the church of mamba yet well, I think an understated thing they don't really talk about too much, but part of mom mentality is being a good Christian. <laughs> um, so that's that's probably part of it. But also, uh, I think this will live on because mom mentality is completely separate from 
everything else. Mama mentality is the reason for the success. The success is not the story anymore. It's the reason behind the success. And just like how we quote old coaches or old leaders that we don't even know anything about, but we still continue to like quote them. This is going to be like Kobe, like that, that mama mentality is going to be a thing. Like they might speak of it in terms of like, uh, Oh, you got to have that mama mentality. What's mama mentality. Mom mentality was what this great basketball player, arguably one of the best ever, applied to becoming one of the best ever. And that's how they're going to have to explain it. But I think it's going to outlive, you know, him. Uh, also, this book, like I said, I mean, it sorry. did. Yeah, exactly. It did outlive him. Uh, also, since you brought up Christianity, you know, this book is written like Da Vinci Code. And I'm assuming Kobe got into a whole bunch of his own way of flogging in like a dark room in the middle of his mansion at, at late at night. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, the self-flagellation from Kobe's probably in is probably dark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I will say, like, in regards to like how this touches the culture, I find it really interesting that like we gravitate towards like Michael again, it goes back to like Christianity, this like Protestant work ethic, right? Um yes. mm-hmm. and this idea that like for you to like Kobe is in a way the ultimate like embodiment of sports capitalism, right? Where he's like you have to fuck over everyone to succeed, right? Jordan did the same thing. Like, that's one of the reasons Jordan is so magnetic. But, like, you know, there are lots of superstars um, who are, you know, allegedly one of the nicest people in the world. Tim Duncan, arguably the Mm -hmm. best team player. Not arguably, the best team player uh, to ever live, right? Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Allen Iverson, which no one had a bad thing to say about once um unless you're uh, a white cop in uh in virginia yeah. um <laughs> or david yeah, stern, or david stern <laughs> for that matter who by the way blocked the release of ai's um of ai's rap album oh, because he God. didn't want he didn't want yeah. that kind of attention in the league speaking of you're gonna have me back on for the kobe album episode oh, right? hell yeah oh right okay I cool kobe got into rap we'll play that. a bunch of the songs yeah. in between we'll play maybe. we'll play a you need to do a complete, like, I don't know if this is something you'd venture into, but a complete NBA rap, like, because there's a lot of good... Shaq? I don't know if Shaq was bigger outside of California, but Shaq's singles were a big deal around really? here. Really? So were Kobe's. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's that's the next season. I'd be very down to revisit this. You know, I want to do an they, episode They on... were competing against each other in, yes. with the rap thing. And fun, funny enough, probably Shaq uh, was the one using a ghostwriter at that time as well. I, I want to do an episode about that guy, actually, if we can find out who he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to Kobe, like, he's everything sports probably shouldn't be. You know what I mean, like, when you really look down mm-hmm. on it, like, I get what he did for L.A. I get what he, like, you know, like, Toronto just had a fucking seizure over Kyle Lowry maybe leaving. You know what I mean? Like, I get yeah. I, I'm I'm sure my tweets were fucking annoying as hell that week. Um <laughs> but like, you know I I get what he did for that, but like for me in a lot of ways he just is like everything I don't want the NBA to be, right? Like dirt you can have great superstars who don't have to be this way <laughs> um and can like instill something much nicer, uh, I think, to the world and still like tell people like you got to succeed, you know, maybe find a writing group and share friendly criticism with each other <laughs> and just do it every day, uh, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I know, uh, before we leave off any, any self-help books you guys would recommend. Uh, I just would mm. recommend people to read how to stop smoking, uh, and, you know, maybe quit that, uh, 
that habit because that's the only self-help book I've ever actually read and gained anything out of because the self-help book economy is absolute bullshit. And uh, Kobe, Kobe has made me like understand that even more like that. He he saw a sales opportunity with his Mamba mentality. There's no denying that. And th- that's kind of where this book distills for me. Like he's a businessman. He's great. Um, and you know what, like as much as Mamba mentality is influential, I don't know that any superstars right now in the NBA, maybe you guys can correct me, really embody that. Like, I, I feel like toxic masculinity is being eradicated slowly and naturally through our online world, um, with just the amount and like the only way to be a toxic person in the NBA right now seems to be to, to be a Republican or, some, or to push some back kind. against like every- sports media, right? To be mean to ESPN. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can't exactly. think of a single player. Like there are players who are competitive, right? I.e., Kalo, mm-hmm. I.e., LeBron. But like no one who like goes to kill, right? No one who who's earned that right at least, right? No superstars I can think of who are just like, I'm here to murder people. In fact, the problem with our superstars is that they bitch too much to the refs, <laughs> right? right? Like like Luka Doncic doing doing that, um, like you know, yelling at the refs when he doesn't get a call every time, right? Trying to grift. Also, throws. also hitting on the refs, which is something Luka did recently. If you guys saw that, oh, very funny, awful. <laughs> I would find him for that. That's incredible. Now that we have female yeah. refs, you know the fucking one. One of the few uh, fucking. Oh, Balkan. he wasn't doing like homoerotic humor. He was doing like yeah. an actual like. He was oh. trying to pick up Natalie Sago, a uh, famous yes. famous Raptors legend, Natalie Sago, who hates the team. Oh, what about you, Tony? Any uh, any self help books you'd recommend before we? Um, I'd like to to recommend um, a book that changed that changed my life. Um, really helped me. There's two books. Um, there is Save Me From Myself uh, by Brian Head Welsh of Corn. Uh, um, Help Me Stop Drinking Off. That was really good. And then also Got the Life, um, the autobiography of Corn Basis. I was about uh, to say, Fielding. isn't that a cool uh, these are these, these are two books that may, I think made me a better man. Um, and I think could make you a better, <laughs> Did Kobe, a better man. Do you guys think Kobe liked new metal in the peak of his career? Do you guys think he fucked with like... All those California bands. Kobe, Kobe loved new metal. Um, I feel like Kobe fucked with Linkin Park heavy. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what Kobe's favorite song would be. Uh, oh, he loved classical music. Of course, he fucking did. He learned how to do yeah. how to do Beethoven on the piano. Last Kobe anecdote, because I know we're running long. Oh no, it's okay. Uh, he listened to "Don't Stop Believing" every day for two years. Shut the and fuck up. He hated the song because it was playing at the Celtics Arena when the Lakers lost, so he listened to it as a way to drive himself <laughs> while working out. So yeah, like uh, my self-help book I'd recommend unironically is uh, Cal Newport's Deep Work, which is the anti-Mamba mentality because it's like make sure you set you, when you're actually doing work and don't do work all the time, you maximize like the work you're doing so that you're actually making like improvements and mm-hmm. like not fucking around so you have more time for other things. Um It'll also make your work and writing or whatever you're doing better. Uh, that book changed my life. I will actually say uh, Cal Newport's Deep Work is pretty much the only self-help book I will ever recommend because uh, it's amazing. And everyone should read it if they just want like, you know, maximize the time they have without uh, living like an unhealthy work-life balance. Um, where can people nice. find you, Tony? Um, I am on the Twitter under Word is Bond. Um, you can check out the podcast, Minion Death Cult. We kind of go online and find the best of the worst comments from the worst people, mostly like your crazy racist aunt. 
<laughs> um, and we talk about that, and it's a really good time. It's Million Death Cult everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The Facebook group is pretty great. Minion Death Commandos. Um, yeah, check us out. We're um, we're a pretty good time. Um, I also bake bread. Uh, if you enjoy bread, mm. follow me on the internet. That's always a good time to check out all the bread that I bake that you can actually buy. But follow me for that. It's a uh, good if time. You, when you ship internationally, I'm putting in a fucking order like ASAP. As soon as it gets easy to get things to Canada, because like that, it, it, Canada is the hardest place you do anything with right now. Because um, I mean, I'm not saying y'all are killing it, but you're definitely leaps and bounds ahead of America when it comes to that stuff. Except for our vaccine rollout, I don't know if you saw recently. Uh, our vaccine rollout is so slow that the United States gifted us their old shitty vaccines that are about to expire. So there's it's it's a bit intersectional. Our, but real our quick though. That America had old shitty vaccines to give uh, to Canada right. when there's countless people who haven't even been told they have access to the vaccine here. So right. there you go. <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah. I'm going to go to Canada just so I can take two weeks to myself in quarantine. Oh, hell yeah. Go mm. do that. Uh, don't come to Edmonton, though. Go to Toronto. Hang out. Got a good bunch there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you so much, Tony, for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us in this deep dive into... Kobe Bryant, uh, you can, I guess, find me on Twitter at Socialist Raptor. I really hope you like the Raptors because uh, I'm pretty sure like half my followers have muted me at this point, um, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You, you you make up for your Raptors um, your Raptors content. I, I still enjoy following you, even though I don't follow basketball at that level. So I, I'll get I'll disclaim. OK, you that. I appreciate that because I'm unsure. I'm very <laughs> unsure. Uh, but I have a healthy relationship to Twitter where it's like talking about sports instead of politics makes me much happier um, and less mad. And Aton? Uh Yeah, you can find me at Ryby Die Hardman. Um, I don't post a range trade machine uh, Raptors trades all day like Abdul, which is uh, brings me a source of joy watching you uh, GM, ghost GM the team. But I guess some academics might not appreciate that bunch of fucking nerds. Thanks. Thanks so much, everyone. 